Chapter 23 of Charlotte Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. Charlotte Temple by Susanna Rosen. Chapter 23. A man may smile and smile and be a villain. While Charlotte was enjoying some small degree of comfort in the consoling friendship of Mrs. Beauchamp, Montreville was advancing rapidly in his affection towards Miss Franklin. Julia was an amiable girl. She saw only the fair side of his character. She possessed an independent fortune and resolved to be happy with the man of her heart though his rank and fortune were by no means so exalted as she had a right to expect. She saw the passion which Montreville struggled to conceal. She wondered at his timidity, but imagined the distant fortune had placed between them occasioned his backwardness, and made every advance which strict prudence and a becoming modesty would permit. Montreville saw with pleasure he was not indifferent to her, but a spark of honor which animated his bosom would not suffer him to take advantage of her partiality. He was well acquainted with Charlotte's situation, and he thought there would be a double cruelty in forsaking her at such a time, and to marry Miss Franklin while honor, humanity, every sacred law obliged him still to protect and support Charlotte, was a baseness which his soul shuddered at. He communicated his uneasiness to Belcour, it was the very thing this pretended friend had wished. And do you really, said he, laughing, hesitate at marrying the lovely Julia and becoming master of her fortune because a little foolish fond girl chose to leave her friends and run away with you to America? Dear Montreval, act more like a man of sense. This whining, pining Charlotte, who occasions you so much uneasiness, would have eloped with somebody else if she had not with you. Would to heaven, said Montreville. I had never seen her. My regard for her was but the momentary passion of desire. But I feel I shall love and revere Julia Franklin as long as I live. Yet to leave poor Charlotte in her present situation would be cruel beyond description. Oh, my good sentimental friend, said Belcour, do you imagine no body has a right to provide for the brat but yourself? Montreville started. Sure said he. You cannot mean to insinuate that Charlotte is false. I don't insinuate it, said Belcour. I know it. Montreville turned pale as ashes. Then there is no faith in women, said he. Well, I thought you attached to her, said Belcour, with an air of indifference. I never wish to make you uneasy by mentioning her perfidy. But as I know you love and are beloved by Miss Franklin, I I was determined not to let these foolish scruples of honor step between you and happiness, or your tenderness for the peace of a perfidious girl prevent your uniting yourself to a woman of honor. Good heavens, said Montreville, what poignant reflections does a man endure who sees a lovely woman plunged in infamy, and is conscious he was her first seducer. But are you certain of what you say, Belcour? So far, replied he that I myself have received advances from her which I would not take advantage of out of regard to you. But hang it, think no more about her. I dined at Franklin's today, 
and Julia bid me seek and bring you to tea. So come along, my lad, make good use of opportunity, and seize the gifts of fortune while they are within your reach. Montreville was too much agitated to pass a happy evening, even in the company of Julia Franklin. He determined to visit Charlotte early in the next morning, tax her with her falsehood, and take an everlasting leave of her. But when the morning came, he was commanded on duty, and for six weeks was prevented from putting his design in execution. At length he found an hour to spare and walked out to spend it with Charlotte. It was near four o'clock in the afternoon when he arrived at her cottage. She was not in the parlor, and without calling the servant, he walked upstairs, thinking to find her in her bedroom. He opened the door, and the first object that met his eyes were Charlotte asleep on the bed and Belcour by her side. Death and distraction, said he, stamping. This is too much. Rise, villain, and defend yourself. Belcour sprang from the bed. The noise awoke Charlotte. Terrified at the furious appearance of Montreville and seeing Belcour with him in the chamber, she caught hold of his arm as he stood by the bedside and eagerly asked what was the matter. Treacherous, infamous girl, said he. Can you ask? How came he here? Pointing to Belcour. As heaven is my witness, replied she, weeping. I do not know. I have not seen him for these three weeks. Then you confess he sometimes visits you. He came sometimes by your desire. Tis false. I never desired him to come, and you know I did not. But mark me, Charlotte. From this instant our connection is at an end. Let Belcour or any other of your favored lovers take you and provide for you. I have done with you forever. He was then going to leave her, but starting wildly from the bed, she threw herself on her knees before him, protesting her innocence and entreating him not to leave her. Oh, Montreville, said she, kill me for pity's sake, kill me, but do not doubt my fidelity. Do not leave me in this horrid situation for the sake of your unborn child. Oh, spurn not the wretched mother from you. Charlotte, said he with a firm voice, I shall take care that neither you nor your child want anything in the approaching painful hour, but we meet no more. He then endeavored to raise her from the ground, but in vain she clung about his knees, entreating him to believe her innocent and conjuring Belcour to clear up the dreadful mystery. Belcour cast on Montreville a smile of contempt. It irritated him almost to madness. He broke from the feeble arms of the distressed girl. She shrieked and fell prostrate on the floor. Montreville instantly left the house and returned hastily to the city. End of Chapter 23 Recording by Jill Preston